Jesus House in Pursuit of God Discovering Purpose Maximizing Potential Impacting Lives This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London God bless you Father, I just want to thank you for, for your love for us. We, we're grateful for this opportunity to just, just come and worship, to be challenged. Uh, for you, Holy Spirit, Spirit, to reveal more of the Father and the Son to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I mean, I want to tell you a personal story. So on, on Thursday, Thursday evening, um, Shola and I got invited to a prayer meeting. Um, it was coordinated by a very, very, very senior politician um, and her husband, who is a pastor of a really thriving church um, in, in, in central London. And she's a very, 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 very senior politician. Um, and there were about 10 people at the prayer meeting. So maybe Shola and I made, made up 12 or something like that. And it was in a lovely church. Uh, in Covent Garden, lovely church, you know, beautiful church. Uh, I had such a feeling of nostalgia for uh, a, a traditional church building, but it was a traditional church building that had been very modernized inside, very comfortable. And um, just 12 of us thereabouts uh, praying for the nation. Um, the burden for the nation there was palpable. It was real. It was tangible. Um, and it was a deep prayer meeting. Um, some people lying prostrate, some people on their knees. Um, and, and then there was a lovely lady who sang throughout, literally most of the prayer meeting. She had the most angelic voice I've ever heard. <laughs> I'm telling you. At a stage, I, I hoped it wasn't a distraction for me because once she started singing, it was so soulful that I would open my eyes because I thought that they were, there was a choir of sorts or they were playing some music. But it was just her and a gentleman strumming a guitar. Beautiful voice. So the worship was deep and intense. And as we were worshiping, I heard the Lord speak to me. And you know, you must, we must be thankful that God speaks. I'm, I'm not sure you understand what I mean. We must be grateful that God speaks. Myself and Pastor Gandhi were having a chat. And he said to me, this conversation is bringing him to tears. Because we were saying, what, how would we have coped if we didn't hear God speak? If God didn't give directions and you know, the beauty about God speaking is that he also gives an assurance that I'm watching over my word that I have spoken to you. I'm watching over it to make sure it comes to pass. So God speaks to me and says to me, I'm changing gears. Get ready for an acceleration. I am going to do a quick work. Two people receive that for themselves. Maybe 30 people receive that for themselves. And of course I got excited. If God says I'm changing gears, prepare for an acceleration. And anybody who drives a stick who has driven a stick shift knows that when you change the gear to a higher gear if you have a, a passenger who doesn't know, they feel the impact as the car moves to another speed. And he says, I will do a quick work. And then he began to speak to me. And he said to me, the challenge is that we, myself included, that we don't take him at his word We've got a bit confused as to who he is. So we don't accept fully in our hearts, not intentionally, 
just because our heads have got in the way, that this God who has said this thing to us, said that thing to us, spoken to us in the way he has spoken to us, is the God of the Bible. Is the God who makes a way in the wilderness, a, a road through the Red Sea, who feeds a prophet by commanding a raven to be his messenger. Somehow, our 21st century minds try, try to contextualize God into a 21st century human context. That's what God was saying to me. And as he spoke to me, I came to a point of repentance in my heart. Because he was saying to me, some of the trepidation you're feeling about what I've told you about the new is because you just, you don't know who I am like you should. They that know their, law, their God shall be strong and do exploits. He says, your problem is a knowledge of me. And my heart was filled with repentance. And how many are there where God has said, he said it, not a man. You heard it. You have a confirmation. It jumped out from his word and stamped itself on your heart. It's not the Logos. It's a Rema. The Spirit is upon that word. But yet, you, where you are, the mind is getting in the way. The circumstances are saying a different thing, but suddenly their voice has become louder than the voice of God. What other people are saying has become louder than the voice of God. And without knowing in your heart, you actually start to doubt God. Unbelief starts to creep in. You start to become safe. Try to analyze. Try to calculate. You try to, in a sense, be God in your own life. And God is saying, I'm looking for people who will simply trust me. And then see what I will do. And it was interesting that night as God took me through different things. I'm going to take you on that journey with me for a few minutes at the end of each one he would pop a song into my heart just a, a, a lovely song of worship and so when he got me to this point the song I heard I have made you too small in my a religious ritual because you see what you're doing is warfare because you see when you magnify God he feels your vision you can't see the challenge the difficulty the problem except you see it through God he acts like some sort of prism and so you have to see it because he looms large that's what be magnified means he looms large in your vision. He fills your horizon. And so the problem has to be seen through him. And when you see the problem through him, how many know what happens? The problem pales into insignificance because you're seeing it through the awesomeness, the majesty, the power, the dominion of an awesome God. And so I feel that it's actually a song of repentance that God, how did I get there? How, how, how did I find myself there? 
that I was second guessing you, that I was afraid to step out, that I was listening to others, that I was listening to myself, that I was looking at the circumstances, the waves and the storms. Lord, I repent. How many are ready to repent? I have made you too small in my eyes. Oh, Lord, forgive me. And I have believed in a lie that you But now, O oh Lord, but now, O oh Lord, I see my wrong. Feel my heart and show yourself strong. And He will. And in my heart and with my song, O oh Lord, be. This is the warfare. Be magnified, O oh Lord. Be magnified, O oh Lord. You are highly exalted. And there is nothing you can do. Lift your voice, be magnified. Somebody needs to tell themselves, and there is nothing you can do. One more time with your eyes on the mountain, and there is nothing you As we continued this my uh, discourse with God, in a sense, it was very personal to me, but I knew it had it had application to everyone. So the last year and a bit has been a very interesting year for me. You know, God has led me to take certain decisions that are just not understood in certain quarters. At the start of last year, He led me to step down from. A lot of the exalted positions I had in the redeemed Christian Church of God and I had some pretty exalted positions some very big titles with a lot of honor and a lot of prestige um, and influence over a lot of people but the Lord said to me that season was over not that I was leaving the redeemed Christian Church of God but the season in those positions and very exalted positions overseeing loads of people and churches and countries the Lord said to me that season is over I need you to step away from it for what I'm calling you to 
you can't do it with that responsibility. It's not possible. So, of course, I announce it. And everybody's like, is he nuts? And those who didn't say, is he nuts, thought there's got to be an agenda. I remember somebody saying to my brother, something must have happened. He must have fallen out with the Jew. Or something. Something must have happened, surely. And it wasn't like God told me exactly what I was going to do. It's a crazy thing with following God. You wish he would just lay out the whole plan for you so that you can match majestically. But it's always a walk of faith. He says, do this. And then when you do that, he reveals the next step and the next step and the next step. I knew it had to do with a whole new phase for the church Jesus house. But I didn't know what it entailed. So in obedience, I did that. And then he began to reveal the next stage for me. And as he revealed it and I shared it, I remember sharing it with two friends separately who are top consultants in the secular sense, but good friends who care a lot about me and my family and by extension this church. And both of them literally said the same thing. Do you understand the enormity of what you are talking about? And I'm not sure whether they said it to encourage me, but it brought a weight upon me. And as we have continued to allow the spirit to unfold it, the enormity of it has struck us. And for me personally, who serves in a leadership capacity, how am I going to lead a people on this journey? A lot of disruption along the way. A lot of necessary endings for things that we hold dear and we cherish. Things that we are emotionally attached to. Things that I am emotionally attached to. A lot of changing of things. A lot of creating of new wineskins. And sometimes I can seem very gung-ho. But in my heart, there's always a bit of trepidation. I'm human. Say, God, if I didn't hear you, we are finished. And I can almost see him smiling and saying, just do what you've done all your life. When you hear me, just obey. And we can share all the vision we like as we will. But it's still always a step in the dark. It's still always a walk of faith. And that's where you all are. And then he tells us, launch into the deep. Initially, that should bring encouragement. But for me, I first had to deal with trepidation because when God says launch into the deep, it means it's deep. It's not just a nice cliche. It means there's a process. It means that you're going to have to learn to swim where you haven't swam before. It means that there will be waves and storms. It's not a walk in the park. It means that there might be some turbulence. Certainly will be some opposition. But what does God say? He says, trust me. I'm going to lead you where you've never been. If you will trust me. God is speaking to someone here. Someone who is online. And saying, trust me. Don't trust your head. Don't trust your intellect. Don't trust your past. Don't even trust any other man except the man or woman is speaking by my spirit. And my spirit in you will confirm that he's speaking by my spirit. So God said to me, let me lead you where you've never been. Hallelujah. You called me out upon the waters, the great unknown, where feet may fail. And there I find you in the mystery, in oceans deep. My faith will stand. 
on the keyboards I want you to see yourself walking on water go on it might be something personal some challenge some difficulty you're walking on water the spirit of God is leading you into uncharted territory fear, fear is receding boldness has come if God said you can, then you can. 
You definitely can because God has said you can. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. We bless you. And you know, as, as I continued in this, my, my, my uh, encounter with God, he then said to me that, Agu, the, the, the problem is you talk about it a lot, but you need to move to another level in your knowledge of who I am. You know, knowledge is progressive. I don't have to stay where I was yesterday. That's why we are constantly moving towards the image of Christ. Christianity is not a religion where a person is static. A person says, I, I, I've done it. I, I, I can take all the boxes. No. Like an onion, God will keep, as long as we are seeking, he will keep revealing more, peeling off parts of the onion to reveal more of himself. And I sense God was saying to me, what you have was good for, for, for the old, but for the new, you've got to believe at a new level. I could understand the man who said concerning his child, I believe, help my unbelief. And what was he saying I should believe? He was saying, believe that I'm the God of this Bible. That's what God was saying to me. Read it and believe it. That I am the God of this Bible. That all power does belong to me. That nothing can happen except I allow it. That the enemy is not going around doing what he wants. That he's on a leash. And the holder of the leash sits in heaven and his name is Jehovah. He said to me, believe that I actually took a nation through the Red Sea. Three million plus people. And I made sure that the ground was dry so that their feet don't get muddy. He says, you have to believe that in the midst of all your 21st century technology, iPads and, and Spotify and, and Instagram, that I am the God who can command a raven, the most selfish of birds, to take food to a prophet because I want the prophet to be fed. He said, you have to believe that when I say with me nothing is impossible, that I mean nothing is impossible. If I don't do it, it's because I don't want to do it because it fits into my plan not to do it. He says, you have to believe what I told Job, that no, pop, no purpose of mine can be thwarted. He says, you have to believe that I really sit on the circle of the earth. The inhabitants are like grasshoppers to me. You have to believe that the heavens are my throne and the earth is my footstool. He says, you have to believe that I created everything and everything continues to exist by the power of my spoken word. He said, you have to believe that I am God and God alone. Hallelujah. You've got time and seasons in your hands. You call darkness you don't need no man to be the God you are but you have chosen to call me that's who our father One is you got time and seasons in your hands that's who he is <laughs> You call for light out of darkness. And it happened, it happened. You don't need no man to be the God you are. You have chosen to call me. You are God. You are God from beginning to the end. There's no place for arguing. You are God all by You are God all by yourself. You are God. Hey. From the beginning, From beginning to, to the end. end. There's no place for arguing. You 
as we continue this uh, uh, discourse, God and myself, he said to me, Agu, you've become a bit like Martha. He said, your mind is encumbered by many things. And believe me, these things are good things, Mark. They're not bad things. Just planning and thinking and plotting and strategizing for the new. So it's his word that I, was, I thought I was working hard at. It, my mind wasn't filled with negativity. And so I felt I was doing his work. I was going about his business, meetings, Revy, strategy sessions, planning, on planes, that's all I'm doing, drawing maps, different things, carrying the weight of people. And my sister Chizor told me that, Agu, that's not your responsibility. Stop carrying people. That's Jesus' responsibility. But I had it there. And I thought I was doing a good thing. But God said to me, you've become like Martha. You've lost the simple pleasure of sitting down and doing nothing. And just looking at me. He says, somehow you have reached a point where you feel that your strategy and your planning and your meetings is going to take you to where I say you're going. He said to me, I take you, not your strategy. He said to me, not even your prayer, not your fasting. He says, your prayer and your fasting is that you might know me not that you might, out of prayer, work out a solution. He says, I'm the solution. I, I, I don't know if it's just me he was chastising. And he said to me that too many distractions in life, too many good projects, too many goals and plans, too much of listening to motivational speakers, seven ways to reach your goal, ten ways to achieve your plan, four ways not to procrastinate. Good things. But if the center of it is not the worship of me, if the priority is not to create time where all those things can be pushed aside and you can just sit there like Mary. And like he said to Martha, 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 I heard myself, I heard him say, Agu, Agu, you are too encumbered by too many things. But Mary has chosen the most important thing. Isn't that an irony? That we are being encouraged to work harder. Work harder at your job, your career. Be purposeful. Go for it. And God is saying all that is good. But the one thing people are not telling you is that the main thing is the time that you create to sit at his feet with no agenda but just to gaze into his loveliness. And so the song came to my heart. It was interesting. And this morning it rose again in my heart. The boy you saved has come to worship you. That boy that he saved at 27. Who's now 57. And maybe along the way, the enemy has tried to get him lost in things, in strategy sessions. But thank God that the Spirit of God won't let him go. Maybe somebody here is saying, the girl you saved has come to worship another person is saying the woman you save has come to worship you go on personalize it 
Put everything aside. Savior. Lift your voice. first love. Don't get too sophisticated. And you know, he challenged me. And I was saying to Doc and some of the leadership team that he challenged me. He said to me, don't get so great at choreographing things for me that you don't leave my spirit room to move. He said to me, come back. It's not complicated. It's not complicated. Just come back to the heart of worship. And then see what I will do. I'm coming, coming back, back to, to the, the heart of worship. Is, is, is this somebody's confession? This isn't just a song. It's all about That's one of the things he told me, that nowadays you guys sing I'm songs. So but it's more than a song. Made it when it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm coming back. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. When it's all about you. It's all about you. All about you, Lord. Lord, I'm so. encounters that the Bible records, especially for those who are seeking to worship God, is the encounter between Jesus and the woman at the well. Jesus, by word of knowledge, tells her certain things about her life. You've been married five times. You're living with a man who's not your husband. And the woman is shocked. And, and you know, there are many parts to that story and it's not one for today. But 
religion would have condemned that woman. She would never have received the revelation she received. Because of course, she'd been married five times. And she was now living with a man who wasn't her husband. Should Jesus even be talking to a woman like that? Should he be giving her revelation that defines worship for us? Tells you how far Jesus is from the church today. Should they have answered the question on the woman's heart? And Mark, isn't it instructive that this woman who was so messed up still had a yearning in her heart to worship God? Let's not condemn anyone. Let's not judge the book by the covers. Only God sees the heart. For out of that woman's heart, the question came, why do our fathers worship God here on this nearby mountain? Out of all the things that she could have asked him to do with her own life, she desperately needed help. But her concern was this issue of worship. But your people teach that Jerusalem is the right place where we must worship, which is right. That really could be your question and my question. What is this thing about worship? How do we get it right? How do we make sure that the, word, the words are not hollow? That we don't just come to church and there's a 15-minute slot for praise and worship. And we go through the 15 minutes and move on to the next thing. How do we get to a place where our lives are worshiping God 24-7? There's no demarcation so that worship is what we do in our quiet time or when we're at church. But we get to a point where we're eating a meal and it is worship unto God. We're swimming, it is worship unto God. We're talking with friends, it is worship unto God. Our lives go into a mode of ceaseless, unending worship of God. So that is not a place or a style. And Jesus answered that. He said to her, the time has come, dear woman, where it wouldn't be about the place, you wouldn't worship, your, we wouldn't, you wouldn't worship the Father on the mountain, nor in Jerusalem, but in your heart. He says, your people don't really know the one that they worship. That's the challenge. Challenge one. They don't know the one that, that, that they worship. And I feel God is challenging us. If you really want to enter this dimension of worship, then you've got to know me. It's not possible to worship God without reading the word of God. It's not possible. You will worship the creation of another person's mind. Another person will create the God that you will worship. It is only by getting into the word of God and he reveals himself by his spirit that your worship goes up. And then he says... But we Jews worship out of our experience, for it's from the Jews that salvation was made. He says the problem is that some don't even know what to worship. Some are worshiping out of an, an experience. The song that they feel brings their anointing down. But they don't know what the one they are singing to wants to hear on that morning or that afternoon or that evening. They worship out of traditions of men, out of religion. It's what I call an old expression of worship. Like an Old Testament expression of worship. He says, but from here on, worshiping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, but with the right heart. It's what's in there. And so this woman, despite the issues in her life, her heart was right and God said, I can work with that. Bring your heart to me. Submit it to me. Yield it to me. I'll work with that. And then he goes on to say, For God is a spirit, and he longs to have sincere worshipers who worship and adore him in the realm of the spirit and in truth. There are two things that make worship sincere. It has to be worship that is led by the spirit, and it has to be based on the truth of God's word. It doesn't change. And when God, as God ministered to me on Thursday, I just thought, God, help me by your spirit. Let me just, let me just bring this, what, the only thing I know that you desire, 
And you know what makes this kind of worship pleasing to God? Where it doesn't all add up in your life yet. You're still holding on, still believing. Maybe you're even in a place of pain. Maybe the door has been shut. Maybe the thing has gone awry. The circumstances don't add up. It is not a natural thing to want to worship your creator in those times. But when by the spirit, like the psalmist would say to himself, rise up, he spoke to himself and praised the Lord. When you come with the pain, maybe grief, when you come maybe confused, like that woman, five husbands, what did she bring to that place of worship? She brought rejection. She brought pain. She brought loss of expectation. She brought the mockery of those who said she couldn't hold it together. She brought disappointment. She brought all that to the place of worship. And it was so precious to God. That's what God wants from us. Bring it all to the place of worship. Can someone do that this morning? Wherever you are in the world, can someone do that? Bring it all. Bring the pain. Bring the disappointment. Bring the loss of expectation. Bring the weariness. Bring the hope to that place of worship. Can someone do that this morning? And not just this morning, as we continue as a lifestyle. Hallelujah.
Lord Adonai, you reign on high. Lord, we will rise. And in your name, it's Adonai, you reign on high. You reign on high, Jesus. You reign on high. Lord, you reign on high. Your name is Jesus. We bow before your throne. In the reverence, Lord. Yes, you reign on high. You reign on high. We bow. And worship is Yahweh. We bow down and worship is Yahweh. We bow, we bow. We bow
Just let the Spirit of God move, move in this place, move in your homes. Set the Spirit of God free. Set the Spirit of God free. He moves. He brings a word to someone. He comes with healing in his wings and rests upon someone. He lifts another one's spirits from that place you've been knocked down into. The Spirit of God himself wants to minister and will just stand back for a minute or two, however long he wants, and just let him minister. You're thousands of miles away. The Spirit of God is coming upon you even now. The only thing we have to do is open up our hearts and send a message how intensely we desire Him to come. To come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Who's going to receive a fresh touch from the Spirit of God this morning? Come, Holy Spirit. In your home, come, Holy Spirit. You're thousands of miles away. Distance is no barrier. Come, Holy Spirit. Those of you who are here in this worship auditorium, will you place a demand on, on heaven? You don't want to live here the same way. If not, it's a religious exercise. Place a demand on heaven wherever you are. We're encouraged to ask for a fresh touch, a fresh touch, a fresh touch, a fresh touch, fresh touch. Come Holy Spirit, 
we just say, come Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In your home, receive a touch of the Spirit of God. Receive a touch of the Spirit of God. Father, we just thank you. We bless you. Yes, Lord. I know the Spirit of God is, is bringing the voice of God to someone. May God allow you to hear very clearly what the Spirit of God is saying to you now. Father, we thank you. Lord, we bless you. to begin to express your gratitude with a clap offering wherever you are. Go on, express your gratitude to God with a clap offering. Thank you, Lord. Go on, you can do better than that. You can do better than that. Thank you, Lord. If you just uh, just uh, uh, sit in contemplation for a minute or two, the most precious gift that we can get is the gift of salvation. Where we enter a relationship with him that leads us into new vistas of worship and intimacy. And it is possible that there's someone here who doesn't have that relationship with God. I'm not talking about belonging to a church. It's possible you're watching online and you don't have a relationship with God. Not that you haven't been to church. Not that you were not born into a Christian home, but you don't have a personal relationship with him. As we come to the end of this session, 
He's knocking on the door of your heart. The question is whether you will open the door of your heart. And someone says, yes, I want to. If, you, if you've said that, then confess it by saying this prayer with me. Will you say this prayer with me? Heavenly Father, I receive your son Jesus into my life as my Lord and Savior today. I make a commitment to turning away from anything that is displeasing to you. And I embrace a life of obedience to your word and your son. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for receiving me into your family today. I am born into your family this day, the 27th of February, 2022. I am born again. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.